Welcome to the Texas Values Report. This is Jonathan Sines, president of Texas Values. Great to be with you on another glorious week in the state of Texas. Boy, we are a couple of weeks into the new year. How you doing? Right. It's been a just an interesting 2022 already. There's no doubt with a lot of things that happened last year, a lot of work that many of us were involved in, a lot of you know personal challenges, if you will, with COVID related issues, all kinds of things, uh, you know, a changing political environment at the national level. And for us here in the state of Texas, a very active legislative year. We had our legislative session. We had three special sessions. We did legislative work almost through the end of October. And so, but now we're right in the middle of 2022 and we're hotly involved in several key court cases, but I want to really focus today on the next couple of weeks of what's going to happen, particularly next week, when there's a lot of excitement and anticipation for March for life. I'm going to DC. I don't know where you're going to be. Are you going? Drop a note, drop a comment, send us an email. If you're going to be in DC for the March, let us know. We'll try to match up with you. We're going to be at the Texas Rally for Life the following day here in Austin at our state's capital. So a lot of things to talk about and really someone that knows a lot about the life issue in March for Life is going to be our guest today. If you're new to the show, though, we talk about the issues of faith, family and freedom in the arenas of the courts, the legislature, and the media. And as a matter of fact, I'm going to do this just to demonstrate what I want you to do. We're going to go for about half an hour. We're going to have this on social media. If you're watching, share it, like it, get it into some groups. I'm going to share it right now. And so uh, people can have more of an opportunity to see our conversation with our wonderful guest today. David B. Wright's going to be our guest today on the Texas Values Report. Many of you are familiar with him. He is a pro-life leader, a strategist, a consultant on a lot of issues, faith-based issues that many of us care about. Really got his start in Texas. Isn't that where all the great things start? All right. A proud graduate of Texas A&M University and one of the founders of the 40 Days for Life movement, which is now a global life move a global movement excuse me global life movement that's a way to say it and uh, and he's also going to be at the march for life next week in dc david welcome back to the texas values report hey jonathan it is great to be back it's great to see you it was good to see you in dc on december 1st outside yep. of the u.s supreme court and i look forward to seeing you and other people from texas in washington dc for the march for life it's an exciting time to be pro-life yeah, no, there is no doubt. And, and I, it's going to be a first for me, not my first March for Life. I've been to the March for Life in D.C. before, but I'm going to be there with my uh, son's high school, St. Dominic Savio Catholic High School. We've got a group of students that are going to be there making their voice heard, many of them, including my son, for the first time to go to the National uh, March for Life. A lot of times we go to the one at the Texas level. But, you know, you and I have seen each other. We've crossed paths a couple of times this year, had a nice little interview right in front of the U.S. Supreme Court on December 1st. You've spoke at, uh, spoken at a few of our events before, and we really appreciate the friendship and relationship that we continue to have with you. And, you know, it, it's interesting, David, when you and I were there in D.C. on December 1st, I don't know if you took time to look around and kind of see who all was there because it was a huge group, a lot of energy and a lot of excitement. But I saw so many familiar faces and people that have been around for a long time. You know, me, myself, probably you included. I was born in 1973. I've been in the life movement for a while. And there were a lot of familiar faces, right? People that have been in the movement 40, 50 years, right? People maybe more recently, just a really wide spectrum. But across the board, I just noticed a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of energy, and really a lot of anticipation 2022 could be the most important year of life that we've ever seen. 
I would agree completely. And, you know, it was really heartening to talk with many of those that you're describing who are outside the U.S. Supreme Court who have for decade after decade been fighting for life, who have been advocating for preborn children and their mothers and their fathers and their families. And at times they've felt like it's a very lonely uphill battle. But that day, as the sun came up over the Supreme Court and it was a, a crystal clear sky, no clouds in sight. And you just saw, uh, as you heard the questions that were being asked in the oral arguments for the Dobbs versus Jackson women's health case, you realize that this could be a year that could be a seismic shift for the pro-life movement. And to see those who've been fighting so long and the newer guys like us also, you know, been involved in this for years, but still to realize that all of the work, all of the prayers, all of the efforts of not only the leaders, but even the people listening right now, watching us right now on Texas Values Report, your efforts have paid off. And that's why we culturally are at a point where the Supreme Court is on the verge of potentially overturning Roe versus Wade. This could be a huge year, and it's because of all of the people who have put so much effort into this movement for so long. Well, you know, you're absolutely right. There, there's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of, I dare say, momentum, if you yes. will, if you looked at the dynamics and really the what we saw on December 1st as sort of a snapshot of where the life movement is, huge crowd of pro-lifers, the other side, the pro-abortion side, not very many people. They certainly were loud and vocal, but you know, probably four to five uh, times as many people if you want to kind of get into what it looked like and uh, what that represents. But I want to talk about a couple of things that, that are leading to what I feel like is this year's March for Life uh, being so interesting and exciting and not because of you know what restrictions we may run into in D.C. related to COVID, but because of what's happening, not only at the U.S. Supreme Court, but in other states, and particularly what we've seen in Texas and, of course, out of Mississippi with the cases before the U.S. Supreme Court. But Texas last year signed into law the Texas heartbeat law. Texas was not the first state to come up with or pass a heartbeat law. Other states have done it, right? But Texas decided, we decided to do it differently, to have a cause of action uh, for, for private individuals to bring forward, really to not have the government involved, because when the government's involved, that allows these arguments of whether something's constitutional or not. And usually, as you know, a lot of pro-life laws, David, they end up in court before they ever go into effect. We're sort of fighting from behind. And then maybe right. one day we can actually get some benefit out of it. That was different, though. September 1st came, the Supreme Court decided to allow the Texas heartbeat law to stand. They did the same thing, I believe, on December 16th. I forget the exact day. So twice the Texas heartbeat law has been up at the U.S. Supreme Court and it's continued to prevail and stay in effect. And so that interest, that excitement, and really, you know, people realizing, wow, we've really got a strong law like this that, and it gives you some indication of where the Supreme Court is, because they certainly know the impact of a law that says at five, maybe six weeks that abortions are not allowed moving forward. One of the most aggressive, if you will, one of the most robust pro-life laws, 20,000 lives we estimate have been saved. I do think how the Texas heartbeat law has gone as well tells us a little bit about where the pro-life movement is going to. Yeah. And Jonathan, here's something I, I want everyone to think about for a moment. A year ago, when we were marking the Roe versus Wade anniversary, it was right on the heels of the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, the most pro-abortion administration ever. And they had made campaign promises that they were going to codify abortion. They were going to uh, lower the prescribing restrictions on chemical deadly abortion pills. They were going to force taxpayers to fund more and more abortions. The abortion industry thought they had the momentum 
But what really began to turn the tide is what you, Jonathan, and Texas Values and your supporters led the charge on, which was that heartbeat law. When that law passed, when the Supreme Court refused to stop the uh, it, you know, the law being implemented, that was when the entire national conversation about abortion shifted. And all of a sudden, every media outlet, and then as they realized the Dobbs case was coming, and then after the oral arguments, what people were realizing is it's not a matter of if abortion ends. It's not a matter of if Roe v. Wade will be overturned. It's a matter of when, and it's a matter of how. But really, I just want to underscore how proud I am of you, of Texas Values, and all of those who are part of your efforts. You changed the entire national conversation. You shifted the momentum towards life. And all of the positive that we are now heading towards in 2022 came about because of your faithful efforts. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for that. Well, and look, I appreciate you saying that and the acknowledgement of it. A reason why I think we've also got some momentum is work that you started, the 40 Days for Life movement. You know, there were several decades ago where at times things were hostile, right? And, and I certainly understood people's, you know, lack of patience and concern, right? That babies are dying every day. Why aren't we doing something about it? But I think collectively as a life movement, we decided to have that more compassionate, that love approach, that prayerful approach, right? People, and I've done it myself, probably not as often as you have, but, but kneeling, standing in front of abortion clinics and praying, being that silent oftentimes witness and doing it in a constitutional and legal way, but really putting our faith in our faith, right? Putting our faith in our savior and saying, boy, if we believe in this, if we believe in the power of prayer, then it should have that ability or what else would have a, a better ability. But my point is that's allowed for a climate to exist where you see that compassion, you see that concern and it's softening people's hearts. And, and, and I think these movements, you know, they flow along together. A lot of times the Supreme court makes decisions sort of at the end of where society is already moving. But I also think as I was taught in law school, the law is a teacher. So it does matter what the law says. And if the law says, Hey, if a baby has a heartbeat, it should be protected. I think it's a, a simple message too, not only that everyone understands, but just also gets down to the science and the humanity of an unborn child. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, the thing that really was beautiful to me as I watched God breathe life into 40 Days for Life and turn it into this big global movement was that it empowered the ordinary person to do something with God to help bring about transformation. You know, for so long, so many people were feeling so helpless of, we've got to wait for all the planets to align on the U.S. Supreme Court, and we've got to wait for the House and the Senate and the White House to all align and each state legislature to align. And all of a sudden, people started to realize, wait a minute, children are dying in my community in, in Texas. They're dying right around the corner from my church. What can I do about it? And there was that sense of helplessness and 40 Days for Life and other movements, Sidewalk Advocates for Life. I know Lauren Music has been on your show many times, but they, these things gave people a way that they could be a voice for the voiceless. They could speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. And during the season that I led 40 Days for Life, its first decade, we had 750,000 volunteers. And I would always, at the end of every campaign, survey them 
and found that each time between 34 and 37 percent of the people who had participated in campaigns had never been involved in pro-life efforts before. So somewhere around a quarter million people got involved in pro-life efforts because suddenly they felt empowered. I can do something to save a life. I can do something to help a mother. And all of that, combined with all the other organizations and all the various different uh, groups and, and media projects and everything else, have really created that cultural shift that now the Supreme Court and many judges and many courts and even the media are recognizing the culture has changed. Abortion is a thing of the past. It was wrongly decided in Roe versus Wade, Doe versus Bolton, Planned Parenthood v. Casey, and it's time to correct the decisions we've made in the past. But it's because the ordinary people have been empowered, have given voice to those who had no voice, and have done everything they possibly can. And that's one of the many reasons I appreciate what Texas Values does to help ordinary people have an extraordinary voice that can make a profound impact. We're talking with David B. Wright. He is a pro-life leader, a national pro-life leader. He's spoken at many events. Uh, one of his bios says over 550 cities around the world that he's spoken to with audiences as large as 70,000 people, all the major news outlets he's had media appearances on and, and spoken at some of the events uh, Texas Values has had as well. And we appreciate his friendship and his leadership and his ability to also work with strategy, working with groups now that he's doing work outside of the 40 Days for Life movement continues to be really such a, a great resource and a great help to so many of us. But I, I love that point you make, too, about everyone finding a way to be able to connect. Right. And and we can all do that. I you know, even though I work on the law and policy side, I will take time to be a part of some of those days of 40 Days for Life to be out there with my family or myself praying because I know I'm limited as well, right? I might have these skills, but I'm also waiting. When is the support Supreme Court going to rule? You know, I only have so much influence on that. And so I think right. it's been such a great idea and given everybody a chance to be involved and create that opportunity for the culture to shift in God's time in a lot right. of ways, but really with that reliance too on our Lord. So when we look at the March for Life coming up, a lot of interest and not as, I mean, there's interest on the Texas heartbeat law, but you can argue it's, it's mainly been settled by the U S Supreme court. It's been up there twice. They're not going to do anything that relates to the Texas heartbeat law. Um, by the end of this term, they're done. All right. If, if it's going to come up for the U S Supreme court, it would have to be next term and it would probably take a while. We'll see the pro abortion side is going to try everything they can, but they've been drastically limited in any real chance they have to change the Texas law moving forward. A lot of interest on the Dobbs case out of Mississippi. This is a, a ban on abortions after 15 weeks, but there's a lot of interest, a lot of enthusiasm going into this March for Life because of some of the things that we already talked about. Talk to us a little bit about what that experience is like, David. There might be some people that have made plans or still considering whether they're going to make plans and why it, there's so much value there and, and what it's like to be there in D.C. for the March for Life. Yeah, my first time to ever attend the March for Life was when I was running the little pro-life group in College Station, Texas, the Coalition for Life. And so uh, my family and a couple of our staff all traveled up to Washington, D.C. And when I walked out onto the National Mall and I was surrounded by hundreds of thousands of pro-life Americans and the average age was much younger than you and I, I gained a sense of hope and optimism. And I was really struck afterwards because, you know, as I was getting the next day, the Washington Post had just a little minor article about the March for Life. And they I, literally the headline was dozens on each side of the debate uh, come to Washington, D.C. 
And I'm like, every person who was at the March for Life now realizes that the media is skewing the story to try to present something that's absolutely untrue. But when you're there, when you're surrounded by so many faithful people, hope-filled, smiling, even if it's cold, bundled up, and then to have Jeannie Mancini, who now is the president of the March for Life, she's an amazing leader, very virtuous, holy, and wonderful woman, a dear friend. And the, the program that they put together, the speakers, the music, the entertainment, uh, the things that help us to be empowered and equipped, because the March for Life is really not about that day. And yes, if you can come to Washington, D.C., make the trip. It's worth it. If you can't, go to the Texas Rally for Life on January 22nd in Austin. The March for Life in D.C. is on Friday the 21st. But when you get there, the most important thing that happens is what you do when you go back home, as you've been Absolutely. equipped, as you've been empowered, as you've been inspired. And really, it was fascinating. A few years ago, I was speaking at the Rose Dinner, which is the dinner that follows the March for Life, and it's organized by the March for Life. And I asked, because the room was filled with mostly pro-life leaders from all across the country, many of the people that we saw outside the Supreme Court on December 1st, and I asked by a show of hands how many of them, when they first got involved in the pro-life movement, was the March for Life instrumental in them getting involved or forming them or helping them to make the commitment to lead in the pro-life movement? And almost every hand in the room went up. That event changes the trajectory of people's lives. It's changing the trajectory of our nation's history. And you can be a part of it. If you can't come this year, plan to come next year. If you can't come to D.C., go to Austin. But these events really are a chance to be strengthened, to be empowered. And then when we go back home, we can do more than ever before. And this year is the most important time for us to go back home because we've got six months, roughly, until likely the Supreme Court will be handing down that Dobbs decision, which could gut Roe versus Wade. It could potentially overturn Roe versus Wade and all that will do Jonathan you and I we talked about this on this report before it will throw the decision back to the states that's so right. that's why what we do at home is more important now than it has ever been before we're talking with David B right pro-life leader and I was looking up the website as you were making a couple of comments marchforlife.org you want all the details of the March for Life in DC marchforlife.org and and the one in Texas for our Texas audience primarily Texas rally for life org or com. I forget. We're going to have members of our team. I won't be at that one because the trip that I'm on, we're staying until Sunday morning, but other members of the Texas Values team will be at the one just a couple of blocks from our office. But you're right. You get there and you're like, oh my gosh, there are people from all over the country. And there are probably people from other, other countries that come to the March for Life too in DC. And you realize the strength and the excitement and, and the connection points and you realize you get excited too, right? You come back and you're like, you know, we can do something. We can uh, be transformative. We can save lives. And, you know, people ask me that, the reporters, particularly last year. Oh, my gosh, so many interviews we did because of the Texas heartbeat law. And they kept asking me another question. Well, what's this really about? You know, what, what's this really about? And I was like, look, it's very simple. It's about protecting innocent human life. That's it. We're trying to save lives. And these issues are life and death. And, 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 you know, look, we, we want to have a loving approach, but that is the reality. We, want, we don't want to uh, be afraid to send that message of th this decision that's being made is a life and death decision that you can't come back from. And you hear a lot of women talk about that. And so I know you've been a part of both events, the Texas Rally for Life, the, uh, the March for Life in D.C. There's some great speakers this year. I was trying to look at this because I know Father Mike Schmidt is one of the key speakers at the March for Life in D.C. I was trying to see who else I saw. Kirk Cameron is Kirk speaking. Cameron, yes. Yeah. And and my good friend, Matthew West. You know, we had Matthew at one of our events a year and a half ago. And I like to say we're friends. My kid, 
my kids make fun of me. We're like, I'm like, no, my, Matthew's my friend now. Anyway, great music, right? He did the mm -hmm. song for the movie about Abby Johnson when she had her conversion, uh, the, the movie Unplanned. And so he is a tremendous Christian music artist, but he's a great entertainer. And the guy has a lot of energy. So maybe I'll get a sneak peek to see him from however far away I am in the stage. But it's a tremendous event. And I look, if, if you haven't decided yet to go, marchforlife.org, check out information. I'm going to be there. David B. Wright's going to be there in not dozens, thousands, maybe millions. Who knows what the numbers could be this year, David? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's going to be huge. And, and you know, a lot of people have, have raised questions and I've talked to friends from all over the country and they're like, we've heard reports that the DC mayor is putting in place these onerous uh, vaccine requirements in hotels and restaurants. And unfortunately that's true, yep. but the reality is that does not apply to the public right of way. Sure. And that does not apply to the national mall. So you can come and be a part of everything. And if you have any questions about that, the marchforlife.org website has information about what restrictions do apply, but don't let the DC mayor sign Silence no. your pro-life voice. Don't let anybody silence your pro-life voice. This is a time when we need to make our voice heard louder than ever before. So the Supreme Court hears it. So those in Congress hear it. So Joe Biden and Kamala Harris hear it. And that people in every state legislature across America know the tide is turning towards life. I tell you what, David, it, so I this came across my phone yesterday. I was looking for something else. And, you know, I, there was a, a message, a statement that President Biden put out on September 1st or maybe the day after when it was apparent that the Texas heartbeat law was going to stay in effect. The Supreme Court was not going to disrupt that. And I was thinking, you know, when, the, when, when there's something that you do or that your team's involved in, many of us, right, were involved in that leads to disrupting the president's schedule that they have to take time to put out a statement, I was like, boy, we're making an impact. And I say we. We have to stay united. Anyone that's ever prayed before in front of an abortion clinic, everyone has a part to play and a reason to say how if we overturn Roe versus Wade, everyone was a part of making that happen, just not a few people. But I will say this, too. You've got a, a, a cell phone of a First Amendment attorney from Texas uh, named Jonathan Sines. If anybody gives you a hard time in the public sphere, y'all call me, okay? I'm, I'm ready. I've done it before. We'll do what we need to. But, um, but, but you're right. Don't, people do not be discouraged about any of that stuff. Um, there'll be plenty of opportunities to exercise your First Amendment right, to do it lovingly, prayerfully, and peacefully. But the more numbers we have there, it sends a strong message of life. David, look, I really appreciate the work that you continue to do, your energy, your enthusiasm, you know, just all the insights that you have, things you and I have talked about offline about technology, but really appreciate overall the great work you're doing for life. And I look forward to seeing you in DC at the March for Life. I can't wait to see you there, Jonathan. And thank you and God bless you for all the work you do to protect faith, family, freedom, and life. What Texas Values does is changing not only the Lone Star State, but changing our entire nation. And it's an honor to co-labor with you in the Lord's Harvest Field, my brother. You bet. David B. Wright has been our guest today on the Texas Values Report. All right, I got a few minutes left. Do a little Woo! wrap up. Woo! All right, you're still on. Your mic's still hot, David. Okay, do you so, want me to, I'll disconnect now so yeah, you can Yeah, you record. disconnect and I'm going to finish because remember, we're still live on Facebook. Okay. All right, so, <laughs> oh God, love David. Okay, so I got a couple of minutes left, but hey, that's that's David, just so you know. That's how he is all the time on when he's uh, on screen or his mic is live and he knows it or not. He's always got a lot of tremendous enthusiasm and we really appreciate that. And you, get it, you need it from time to time in our work to stay motivated because some things can be thrown at you that you don't expect. 
But, you know, I was mentioning move, coming into 2022, right? We've got a lot of things to be encouraged by, but we started the year with, you know, an outbreak, an increase in the, the pandemic and the Omicron variant, all these different things that are kind of, you know, gosh, it, it looked like maybe things were going to start to get better. We get through Christmas, there's some enthusiasm, and then you hit January and you're like, wait a minute, trying to get your kids back to school. The March for Life is a good reason to go, you know what, there is a lot to be optimistic about when it comes to the issue of life. These are just some of the meaning reasons why I think you should consider supporting Texas values. All right, we just got a couple of minutes left. I think we're gonna try, Natalie, the screen share on a graphic, a new thing we're gonna try to do, because we try to let people know a little bit about the work we're doing, who's behind it, right? And, and you see my face and voice a lot. Maybe you're aware of some of the work that, we've, um, that I've been involved in personally as an organization. Um, I think we're, are we having trouble with the graphic? Okay, we're going to see how it goes. All right, this is a little test phase of the end of our Texas Values Report for those folks that are watching online. Try to share it, get it, get something posted for these last two minutes, but consider investing in Texas Values. Ooh, I like that. All right, we're going to try to the screen. There it is. That is a neat, that's a neat. <laughs> There's the big Jonathan. Here's the little Jonathan in the side. But just a little bit of background on myself, and you might see this a little bit for me and members of our team where we will try to feature learning a little bit about background. And look, I consider it a, you know, an honor that every legislative session since 2013, and I haven't done it on my own, but, but have been a part of leading the efforts to pass a pro-life and a religious liberty law. You know, I've been licensed since 2003. So you know, a lot of times groups are looking for speakers. This gives you a little bit of an idea to know a little bit of my background. We'll start to feature that not only myself, but other people that are part of our organization or that are part of our guests on the Texas Values Report. All right, we're going to stop our screen share, but uh, nice work there, Natalie. We'll see how that goes. Okay, Texas Values to support us. We're starting a new year. We ended the last year incredible. Thank you so much for your donations, but we do have a new year, txvalues.org. It does cost us some money to go to the to DC to order to be a message and to uh, be a witness for life. We're going to be doing media interviews up there. We're going to have a lot of value that we're going to provide people that we're going to be connecting with and be your voice from Texas up in DC, along with a lot of other people. So if you see value in that, consider donating to our organization at txvalues.org. You can help us protect faith family and freedom in the state of Texas. We're going to have some events coming up in the spring too. Want to key you in on that. If you want to look at some of the stuff we're doing on elections, that's our C4 site, txvaluesaction.org. But as we get close to January 22nd, sort of the anniversary of O versus Wade, take this as an opportunity to tell people about the Texas Heartbeat Law, texasheartbeatlaw.com. It's new and improved. A lot of great information there that we want you to share. Open up that conversation and just see where it goes and have confidence in the issue of life. And we'll talk to you next week on the Texas Values Report.